This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We have now gotten to the point where we are have entered into the Beatitudes, the first section of the Sermon on the Mount that is given to us in the Gospel according to Matthew. So we're going to start there in Matthew chapter 5. And we started, we've gone through our, uh, our introduction and we're going to get right into verse number 3, but we started at Matthew 5 and 2 and we started here what I still believe is just a wonderful scripture. It says, and he opened his mouth and taught them Saying, and we launched out from there. We found out who he was. He is the king. The throne belongs to him. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. He is the seed of the woman. He has kingly authority, and he speaks from that authority as we enter into the Sermon on the Mount. And then we found out who they are. These are those who are his followers. And when we examine his followers, it would seem as though his followers would not have that which the world would be envious of. But there's followers nonetheless. And he has a message for them. And we found out what he teaches them. Again, we're going to enter into the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to enter into the Beatitudes. We're going to see the specifics. But uh, what it boils down to is that he taught them the kingdom of heaven. That's what he taught them. He taught them the kingdom of heaven. And we looked at the two aspects of the kingdom of heaven. There's a current age and there's a future age. He must first reign in your heart. But he's going to speak about the kingdom not only now, but also the kingdom to come. And so we said we're going to answer those three questions. We did. And then we'd be able to enter to the Sermon on the Mount. So the last time we got together, we talked about what it meant to be blessed. Because this first word that we encounter in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Beatitudes is the word blessed. And we looked at that and we explained to you that to be blessed is to... Uh, to be well off at the highest level. To be well off at the highest level. That's what it means to be blessed. Now, when we talk about being blessed, we wanted to understand what it meant to be blessed from a kingdom perspective. Because in all honesty, what Jesus is doing is he's not giving slogans. Again, remember who he's talking. The king is talking. He's talking from his throne. He's talking from his kingly authority. And he's telling us what it means to be blessed. And we looked at it from the kingdom perspective and we understood that, in all honesty, if, if you're going to be well off, if you're going to be well off in the kingdom, well, you must have the favor of the king. So to be blessed is to stand in favor with or have the favor of the king. So he is giving us that information. And we rejoice at the idea that we're blessed by his favor. Amen. That is a blessing. We're not blessed by material things. We're blessed by his favor. And so we alluded to how many people are walking around being blessed don't even know it. And on the flip side, we have many people walking around claiming to be blessed, but Jesus doesn't necessarily put them in his definition of blessed. So I think it's good for us to listen to the king. And never forget, our being blessed 
is contingent upon us remaining in him. That's where the blessing is. I believe Church of Living Water is an excellent ministry. I believe it's an excellent church, but I don't believe you're blessed because you're a member here. I don't believe you're blessed because you're active here. I don't think you're blessed because you've been here a member a long time. I believe your blessing is staying in Him. It's one thing I, I, I want to emphasize to everybody. You know, we have, I believe this is a wonderful church. Again, I, I believe our love abounds one for uh, one another. But don't forget this. If you step outside of Christ, we don't have fellowship. No, we might talk. We might converse. But we don't have true fellowship. And that bond is broken. See, everything that we have, we have in Christ. That's the safe place. That's the secure place. That's the blessed position. So we've got to endeavor to stay there. And so he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I have a hard time, and this is me, but I have a hard time separating one from all the rest. Let's take our time and go through this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. <clears throat> Excuse me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What I want you to understand here is that he's not saying when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, now there's a group over there that's supporting the spirit. There's a group over there that mourns. Uh, there's a group over there that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying we have individual components. What he's giving us is a character study of the people who make up the kingdom of heaven. And so when he says poor in spirit, don't get your mind, there's people just walking around poor in spirit and none of this has to do with them. No, all of this has to do with the believers. All of this has to do with the followers. If you will, it's a character study of the believer and what they go through in this world. I made, I alluded to it in the midst of this teaching. I don't know if it was last Wednesday or Wednesday before then, but I said there is, a, a, there is something that's not spoken that is prominent throughout the Beatitudes. And that's the world. It's a prominent position. Because remember, this is descriptive before it is prescriptive. It's telling us about the condition of the believer who's faithful to God in an unfaithful world. And you've been paying attention on Sundays and you understand, you know, there, there is a contingent of an ungodly multitude who are alienated from God. Even though they have their hands on the same things, temporal things that we have our hands on, their motives are totally different. Hmm. And there's a system that dominates. And this world and this world system It's not always on our side. 
Oh, I'm sorry. What did James say? It said, if the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father can't be. So they are opposed one to the other. Mm. You know, those are some interesting words, though. You can't love the world and love God. And so, even though it's not spoken explicitly here in the Beatitudes, the underlying theme is we have to live in this world. Because the kingdom has a future age to come. Until that time, guess what? We occupy. Until he comes. And so, even I'm going to deal with verse 3, but I want you to see it is not totally independent of the rest of the Beatitudes. So in verse number 3, again, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I cannot emphasize this to you enough. You have to, again, grasp the authority with which he speaks. He is not making suggestions. He's not giving positive thoughts. He's telling it like it is. The poor in the spirit, they're blessed. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the authority with which he's... Remember who's talking. The throne is his. So the poor in the spirit are blessed. Now, I want you to understand the terminology poor in spirit. And we may use it in different ways. But this is not for everybody who calls themselves poor in spirit. Or anybody and everybody that you might identify with your eye as being poor in spirit. You know, you say poor in spirit, you think of somebody sad, walking around and disgruntled maybe. You call those poor in spirit. No, that's not what he's talking about. Not looking, talking about the people who are looking pitiful or people who are looking disgraced. That's not what he's talking about. It runs deeper than that. Again, remember, he's talking about those who make it to the kingdom. Amen. I want to get to a place, but I want to make sure you understand this. He's at the end already. He's there already. And it says those who make it, they're blessed. See, the kingdom is prepared for them. See, you've got to make it. Why do I stop right there? Because there is a strong belief that is in Christendom that says once saved, always saved. No, you got to make it. That means you have to abide. <laughs> that means you have to remain. That means you have to stay. That means you have to endure. That means you have to persevere. But he's already there. And he says those who... Ah, hallelujah to your name. Glory to your name. Uh, let's keep moving. So the point spirit is in reference to the condition experienced by pursuers of God while they wait for the coming kingdom. Let me say that again. The poor in spirit is in reference to the condition experienced by pursuers of God while they wait for the coming kingdom. Turn to the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3. A very small book. Chapter 3 is the last chapter in Zephaniah. 
So again, I want to say that again and make sure you understand it. The poor in spirit is in reference to the condition experienced by pursuers of God while they wait for the coming kingdom. These are those who consciously look to please God. They live their lives to please God. They order their lives to please God. God is at the forefront of their thoughts. Their decisions they make with God in consideration. These are pursuers of His. And while they pursue, see, that, that's them waiting. That's them waiting for the coming kingdom. They're pursuing. That's their waiting. Don't you forget it. Waiting is not, in the Bible, when it talks about waiting for God or waiting on God, it is not a lazy, neither is it an idle position. It's an active position of continually pursuing to please Him. Now, in the book of Zephaniah, again, a very small book, but a very strong, strong book. In short, it talks about who's in and who's out. <laughs> you understand me? It talks about who's in and who's out. Right? It spends a lot of time talking about who's out, but it also spends time talking about who's in. And I want you to see at the end of this book, God is talking about not the out, but he's talking about the in and those who are special to him. In verse number 12, I just want you to see that for right now. He says, I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people. And they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Now, again, you, you have to, on your own time, read through Zephaniah. But he gets to this point. He says, now, these people are special. You see, because who's out has to do with who hasn't trusted me, who hasn't walked in my ways. But there's going to be people there. And he describes them as afflicted and poor. He says, but these people, they trust in the Lord. Again, stay with me now. This is why I made a big deal out of who is them. Because these people who are following, they don't have the riches of this world. They don't have the goods of this world. They don't have everything going for them. But they're following. They're staying the path. They're at his feet. They're learning from him. See, in God's eyes, see, these are people who trust in me. See, they're in. See, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. These are they God can count on. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 66. Now, if you will, keep your ribbon there in Zephaniah. I think we're going to come back to that. Isaiah chapter 66 for now. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth and my word. God says, I got it all. Says, what can you give me at Christmas time or 
birthday time and you're trying to figure out what to get the person you love. But, I mean, they already got everything already. And that's what God is. I got it already. But this one thing, you'll do me good with. This one thing I'm always pleased with. This one thing I rejoice over. Them that are poor and of a contrite spirit and tremble at my word. Amen. (laughs) What do you you give God that has everything? Somebody who trembles at his word. God, what can I give you? Obey. (laughs) Amen. What can I do for you? Obey. Now, there are two ways a person can be considered poor in spirit. Two ways. I want to spend the bulk of my time on one, but I'll go over this first. There are two ways. Way number one. Now, you're in the book of Isaiah. Turn to chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Way number one, that a person can be considered poor in spirit. When the person who longs to please God sees their condition and knows that they fall short of the glory of God, that person is poor in spirit. Again, when the person who longs to please God sees their condition and knows that they fall short of the glory of God, God, and I want to tell you right now, that's a good position to be in. It's a good position to be in. Any position outside of that is one of pride. And pride does go before the fall. It does go before destruction. But here's one way an individual can be poor in spirit. When the person who longs to please God sees their condition and knows that they fall short of the glory of God. In Isaiah chapter 6. Oh, it's hard not to read. Let's read verse 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke then said I what was me for I am not holy <laughs> I am far from holy I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts so he identifies this condition when he's faced with the holiness of God. And his word is woe. And I believe that woe works two ways. How holy he is and how far away I am from that holiness. So that's poor in spirit. Look at this in Luke chapter 5. I told you we were just going to read some scriptures. Luke chapter 5. Whoa, I am undone. I'd love to be able to stand before God with confidence, but look at where, what I've done. Look at what's in my past. Look at my rap sheet. 
Luke chapter 5. Let's start at verse 4. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when they had this done, and I have to stop there, because sometimes we say things we don't need to say things, but it reveals our heart. Are you with me? Uh, sometimes a simple yes would do, but we've got to add more than that. But that reveals your heart. Verse 6, And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is something. When they both began to sink, Simon starts thinking, what kind of fool was I? How did I talk to him? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, when you meet his holiness, when you come to his authority and you see the holiness of his authority, whoa. Depart from I'm a sinful man. See, that's poor in spirit. God, you know, I'd love to please you, but, but look at where I am. Look at the heart I had. Look at the speech that I gave you. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. This is the cry of that person who longs to please God, but sees their condition and sees that they just keep falling short. Romans chapter 7. Verse 22 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. On the inside, man, God, I want to please you. But I see another law in my members. You see, on the inside, I want to, but when I put my hands on stuff, it's on the wrong stuff. When I put my eyes on things, it's the wrong things. When I talk, I say the wrong things. Say things I ought not to have said, and I know it's wrong, but I say it anyway. I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Here's the cry of that individual. I want to please you, God, but I keep, keep messing up. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? See, those who long to please God, sees his holiness, see their unholiness, see how far they fall short of his glory, cry out, oh, wretched man that I am. This individual is ready for a savior. Hey, man, this individual is ready for a savior. That's, where you, that's why that's a good position to be in. And here's the thing about it. After you are saved, you shouldn't leave that position. Lest you start being like that Pharisee praying next to the publican. And I thank you, God, that I'm not like these heathen. And God says, but for my grace, that's who you are. I hear Jesus telling the disciples, unless you repent, 
You shall all likewise perish. You're no better than anybody else. Before we start turning our nose at other people's sin, they are where you came from. That's your people. <laughs> you came out of the same mold. But that's, poor, that's one way an individual can be poor in spirit. When the person who longs to please God sees their condition and knows that they fall short of the glory of God. But here's the second way. This is what I want to spend the bulk of the time on. A person is poor in spirit when a person who longs to please God sees the condition of the world system he's in. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 6. We read it, but we'll read it again. When a person who longs to please God sees the condition of this world system that they're in. And I'll have you know, he is not the God of this world system. When we look around, that's what we find. So there you are, you have a heart toward God, but everything else around you doesn't. Isaiah 6 and 5 says, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So he not only identifies his falling short, and he says, but look who I'm around. Look who I'm surrounded by. So poor in spirit is the discouragement that can be experienced navigating a system that is not ruled by righteousness. It can be discouraging. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I love this because my God is a real God. He doesn't talk in, to us as if we are to attain something that is beyond us. He is acquainted. With our griefs and our sorrows. We have a king who is aware of our struggles. Glory to his name. And he has, he's not unrighteous to forget that labor of love. How you labor for him in a world system that's contrary to him. That is not on your side. That treats you badly at times. And he says, you're blessed. The world doesn't know it because the world can't comprehend it. But he wants you to know you're blessed. Let me say it again. Poor in spirit is the discouragement that can be experienced Navigating a system that is not ruled by righteousness. And I want to tell you about this system. This system will not be ruled by righteousness until he takes his rightful place. As the king he is. Oh, let that sink in. We've got people laboring hard to legislate righteousness. 
when righteousness cannot be legislated, it must come from the heart. Listen to me. As much as you want to legislate no abortion when people are still having sex when they're not supposed to, you haven't changed the heart. And what do you do? You aggravate people. You think the gospel is in legislation when it's how you live and how you live toward them. Hmm. While we use our bully pulpit to talk down about people, we should come down from the pulpit and remember where we came from. And what our discouragement should do is not cause us to talk down to people. Our discouragement should cause us to want to do something to help those people out. Again, poor in spirit is the discouragement that can be experienced navigating a system that is not ruled by righteousness. The relation between that upright individual and the system of the world is not going to be smooth. It's not going to be smooth. Every day is not going to be Friday. You will not be able to tiptoe through the tulips in this world and stand for God. And I'll have you to know, you may have been living a comfortable life, but I'm telling you, times are changing. I'm going to be learning about that on Sunday morning as well. Times are changing. The world is going to let you know you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to compromise and go along with the popular system and the flow of the world. Or you're going to have to stand in righteousness for your God. So it's going to be a bumpy ride. So the relationship between the upright individual and the system, it can give an opportunity to be discouraged. Here you are, you're being faithful. You labor to remain consistent and faithful, but the system will not cooperate with you. Here you are, you just ministered to, you just ministered to somebody, had them ready to receive the gospel, and here comes somebody caught up in this world system and undid everything you just said. It can be discouraging. Paul goes and preaches, and then the messengers of Satan come right behind to destroy what he preached. It can be discouraging. What did Paul say? God, please take this. He said, no, no, my grace is sufficient. But he understands there's a discouragement. See, that's poor in spirit. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. And, and, I, and I love it because this is real. You may not want to say it, but there might be times you get discouraged and he knows you are. And he's not saying do anything different. He just understands there's discouragement, but you stay the course. You don't move. Because those who stay the course in the midst of this discouragement, they've got the favor of the king. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to help you out here. The Bible's going to help us all out. Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse number 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. 
And now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? Now stop and think about that. This is John the Baptist. Of whom Malachi said he must first come. This is Elijah that must first come. Before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite this earth with a curse. And you know what he did? That's what he did. He obeyed God. This is John the Baptist. The one who was filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. This is John the Baptist who saw the Spirit light upon Jesus as a dove and said, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of this world. So what has he done? He's done what God has asked him to do. He ministered to multitudes that came to him. He told them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here he is asking, are you the one? What happened? He remains in the world. And here's what I love about this, because I believe this is what trips him up. I believe it's what trips so many people up about our king. They expected him to establish the kingdom right away. They missed that. But what did he come to do the first time? This is amazing to me. The king came to lay down his life. So while they're busy looking for the kingdom, he's busy laying down his life. And and so with that theology, John is a little bit perplexed. Here I am, I'm in prison. That's why the Bible says that there in verse 2 now when John had heard in the prison. (laughs) Now when he was outside the prison, I must decrease that he might increase. But as I walk this road in the midst of this world, as I stand for righteousness, as I tell Herod, you can't have your brother's sister. Look how the world treats me. So you can't tell me, you as a believer, don't get discouraged from time to time. And, and, and even after this, who gave his eulogy? I, there you are at, at your funeral, right? You're laying there and, and you kind of wonder. Man, I wonder who would give my eulogy. What if somebody said, Jesus is going to give you a eulogy? I'm like, whoa, am I that important? Jesus give John, gives John the Baptist eulogy. And you know what he told him? He said, you got to keep on keeping on. Let's keep moving forward. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. Oh, wow. How do I say this? <sighs> While some need something tangible to give them fuel, those to whom the kingdom of heaven belongs just need a word. He knows those that are his. And he knows what's going to encourage those that are his. 
those that are not won't be encouraged by the words that he has. And he's not been out of shape about it. First Kings chapter 19. Here we have Elijah. What a prophet. Elijah told Ahab the king, it won't rain until I give the word. <laughs> now that's a mighty prophet. And then when he gave the word, it rained. <laughs> he stopped the rain for three and a half years. And then he withstood all the false prophets on a mountain and took them to task. So what has he been doing? He's been standing for righteousness. But here we find him in a cave. And God asked him, what are you doing here? Verse 14. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one. We're talking poor in spirit. But what has he been doing? He's been doing the work of God, he's been laboring. He's not been ashamed. He took a stand when it was hard to take a stand. And it just doesn't seem as though things are flowing his way. There's discouragement in this path as we stand for righteousness in an uncooperative system. Revelation chapter 6. <laughs> Revelation chapter 6. And I know, I, I, man, this is not inspiring. Yes, yes, it is. It, 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 yeah, it is. Revelation chapter six. Again, we sometimes we think we're the only ones. No one else. No, no. This is what we experience in this uncooperative system. Revelation chapter six, verse number nine. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. I love it. They held it. They were threatened while they were holding it and they refused to let it go. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long we stood, we held on. How long before you just wipe them all out? And establish your throne of righteousness. Establish that, that, that reign of righteousness. How long? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. Hallelujah. They should rest. Don't you love those words? Says, yeah, I know you're frustrated, but, but, but now you can rest. They should rest 
yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Wow. And I hope you're understanding this. See, your standing is going to make room for somebody else. God is not getting a kick out. I want to see how long you suffer. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not hosting some game show like Wipeout. We just last whenever you get frustrated and, <laughs> and can't get across. He's not doing that. He has a purpose in mind. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. All we're doing is really reading scripture. I'm that actor in the movie who doesn't have many words. <laughs> I'm just reading the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Verse 36. And many of you are familiar with the book of Hebrews. A lot of people like to call it the hall of faith or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you understand, this walks us down the mighty examples of faith that we have in the scriptures. Then starting at verse number 36, it says, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, but they didn't let go. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, now I hope you understand the better thing for us is Christ. Amen. So, so we're both still looking for that kingdom to come. See, but they're in their rest right now. And while we're not in our rest, while we walk this earth standing for uprightness, Hebrews 11:36 through 37 lets us know how the world treats us. It's not for us. It's not going to be on our side. But I love his assessment. The world's not worthy of him. They maintained their faith for a promise that was far off. Look at this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Starting at verse number three, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounded, so that we ourselves glory 
in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. That, that, that's what the cooperative, uncooperative system has waiting for you. Tribulation and persecution. See, but Paul says we glory in you because through it all you maintain your patience and faith. Verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Oh, do you hear that? The world is not worthy of you, but you're fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're looking for. Remember, now that God reigns in our heart, it sets our destination and our hope. Here is the message. Turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. I'm not forgetting where we're coming from. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 73. Here's the message. It's a simple message. Your endurance has a sure reward. I, 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 you, don't, you don't get that. You don't grasp that. I want you to understand, the stock market is gambling. On a level, yeah, we call it investing, whatever the case might be. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. It is not a sure thing. People we trust... They give us their word, but you know they're fallible. It is not a sure thing. But there's one thing we can count on. If you hold on to your faith, if you stay upright when the world goes wrong, there's still a sure reward waiting for you. And you will get a chance to hear the words that you waited long to hear. Well done. Thou good and thou faithful servant. That's when you know, as you have been known, that you are blessed. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I just can't get this. This excites me. This really does. While people are trying to build mega churches, while people are trying to be a name in a mega church, he looks at the nobodies who remain faithful, never being recognized, names never being mentioned. And he's going to tell them, well done. Psalm 73. We're talking about the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who have to navigate the discouragement. But they do. Do you hear me? But they do. That's why theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, that's faith. It's so easy to say, I have faith when everything is going right. But when you're challenged, when things aren't going your way, when you have the opportunity to say, why me? But you keep your eyes on the author and the finisher. 
of your faith, blessed. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Psalm 73, truly, God is good to Israel, even as such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, let me tell you about me. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. You know, I don't want to say this in church. I can't stand up and give this as a testimony. But here's what was going on with me. Surely God is good. But my feet were just about gone. I had lost strength, people. Verse 3, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now here I am. I'm standing for righteousness and I'm barely getting by. And these people are cursing God. And it seems like everything is going their way. Verse 4. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Look at these people. They are the ungodly, and they're prospering in the world. These are those who are increasing in riches. And look at me. I go to church on a regular basis. I give tithes, and I give them offerings. I participate in everything that's going on. And I'm not seeing the return. Our God is a real God. He knows what goes on on the inside. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. Washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. That's it. That's it. You know, no, every now and then, I've got to hear from God. And God has a word from you. Do you hear these people who are sitting at the Master's feet? When He's here on the Sermon on the Mount, and they're gathered together, they've been living the life, but haven't been getting the riches. Haven't been getting the accolades. Seem like those who are doing unrighteousness are getting ahead. And here He is, but i got a word for you. Come into my sanctuary. Again, remember, we, we, we left off at this last time. Who was rich? The Lazarus or the rich man? The rich man was rich, but who was blessed? Who had the procession into Abraham's bosom? <laughs> and who was tormented? Oh, that's it, people. This is not our home. This is not our system. Wow. I, I, uh, 
I can't go there. I don't have time to go there. But Daniel speaks of it. He talks about the kingdom that the saints would possess. And he says we would possess that kingdom forever and ever. I hear Jesus saying, my kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> it's not time yet. But there's a time coming. Look, look at this. Jesus in the Beatitudes, knowing the discouragement that will be navigated, feeds the people the truth. <laughs> Let me say it again. He feeds them the truth. He feeds them the truth. Everything else is a lie. Anything that speaks contrary to that is not worth meditating over. But the truth, the king, gives them the truth. And here you are, you've been discouraged, then you hear the truth. You're blessed. Oh, I, again, I'm, I'm going to take you back. All these things connect. Because, remember, I, I said, you have something going for you that you ought to be happy about. I know, I know, I understand. This is not the message that tickles the flesh. Oh, but it causes the soul to rejoice. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. A simple scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. I know you've heard the songs. I know you've heard the slogans about, I'm going to get mine now. It's my time. No, it's not. It's not. Your due season is not until the king brings his kingdom. Oh, you don't hear it. See, the God who sees a secret will reward you openly. Wow. I'm telling you, this, this, is, what, this is what amazes me about the day of the, the Lord. A great day. You see, in that day... And I find in the scriptures, uh, the scriptural support for this, there's not only the wrath poured out, but there are the rewards that are given. So while you have those, those trying to run from them, you got the others saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Turn back to Zephaniah. I told you to keep your ribbon there. Zephaniah chapter 3. This is what he says. This is, again, he's already been at the end. He knows what Zephaniah was talking about. Verse 18. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Again, 
I don't have time to explain that as much as I would like to, but here's what's going on. You've held the line. You've stood for me. You've seen the rest of the nation not do right, and it bothered you. You were poor in spirit. But I'm going to gather you. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflict thee. And I will save her that halteth and gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. I'm telling you, that's blessed. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. All I've been doing is reading scriptures to you. That's why I'm saying it's hard to distinguish one from the other. They all work together when it comes to the Beatitudes. They all work together. Because it's all describing what we will encounter as we stand for God in a system that's anti-God. And he says, blessed, you have to understand the magnitude of that word. You have to understand how great it is to have the favor of the king. And look at verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I'm sorry, who's saying this? This is not just some church member who's always happy. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of Lords. He says, you have a reason to rejoice. He says, you have a reason to be glad. People don't understand it when you have a song in your heart, when everyone's singing a sad song. You've got joy. You've got rejoicing. You've got praise. You've got music in your heart. Because somebody knows they're blessed. Oh, this, this, t- t- again, when you understand you have that favor, why would I be sorrowful? Why would I be downtrodden? Oh, again, I just hear Jesus. In all honesty, if I wanted to get out, all I have to do is say the word. See, because I got that kind of relationship with the Father. And see, when I stay the lot, this is, this is what causes you, when things come up, you will not have confidence if you're not held true to standing for God. When a bad report comes your way, you want to be able to have the confidence. You want to be able to turn your face to the wall. Say, God, I've served you out of the integrity of my heart. I've stood when it wasn't convenient to stand. I was not ashamed of your name. I boldly proclaimed it. And then you can understand you're blessed. I truly hope you understand this. See, because what's happening now is he's encouraging the people. He's encouraging them. He's like, no, no, don't, don't be envious of those in the world. Don't be envious of those who seem to be getting by. You know how you've been toward me and I know how you've been toward God. In my assessment, you got my favor. 
Glory to God. I'd rather have this favor. The goods of this world that today are and tomorrow will not be. I am out of time. And what a message. I'm saying this is the king talking. We're not hearing from somebody. We're not hearing from a third party. We're not hearing somebody say, I think he said. No, he's telling you. You're blessed. See, and, and people of this world, people who are so tied into this world, they can't comprehend that. They, they, that does not register on their senses. This is why it is so pitiful to see those associated with the church run after riches. That's why it's so pitiful for us to try to make it seem as though we have something that the world doesn't in the natural. That's no good. That's no good at all. But let me tell you, when people see that you stood, when it went, they know who to come to when it's time to pray. When, when, when things are going on in their family and they don't know what to do, they're not looking for who's driving the best. They're not looking for who's dressed the best. They're looking for who's sincere toward God. They have an ear for them instead of trying to get all this other stuff. See, but those are the ones that are blessed. See, because when they have the favor with the king, everybody else is going to recognize they got favor. Joseph couldn't hide it. (laughs) Just as much as he could, you know, he goes to prison. Boy, you got favor with God. (laughs) He's a slave. Boy, you got favor with God. He goes before the king. Boy, you got favor with God. Can't hide it. It's called blessed. Bow your heads. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.